If you're standing on a threshold, if you feel a yearning to tap into your greatest potential, but you're caught in that fuzzy in-between space of the now and not yet, don't despair. You're being invited to pivot with greater purpose. You're on the thrilling edge of becoming. You are being called to unleash your soul song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I believe we're all born with a gift that's uniquely ours, our very own soul song. And I discovered on my own journey that when we unleash it into the world, man, does it make life sing. You might express it through writing, science, cooking, nursing, teaching, or some other endeavor. The song is different for each of us, and its expression can change throughout your life. But it can only sing when you're in tune with your truest self. I know you're trying to get things in focus, that you're looking for encouragement and practical tools to illuminate your own personal journey. And that's what you're going to get here. I'm excited to travel this road with you. Let's get going. Hi, everybody. It's Becky Fleischer, the host of Unleash Your Soul Song. And before I get going today, I have a special guest in the booth, my business partner, Peter Carucci. Hey, Peter. Hey, Becky. It's exciting to be on your podcast. It's exciting to have you here because we have a really great idea that we want to share with my listeners. So throughout this year, we've been challenging ourselves to get really creative with ways that our music can help people through this really hard year. We posted a ton of music on our Instagram feed. We got creative with song notes to help people celebrate life milestones during quarantine. And now we have a really great idea for how we can bring a little more light into the world through our custom songs. That's right. As we approach the holidays and start to wrap up the year, we'd love to help people write a custom song, a personalized song that reflects some of the good things, the silver linings that came through this year. You could use it in place of a year-end holiday card as a year-end review for your family. You could even use it as a message to lift up your friends, family, or coworkers. And you could even put it over a little picture montage. Yeah, I love that so much. Can't you just see all of these uplifting songs being spread around at the end of the year, just bringing some more joy and light? Mm -hmm. If this sounds interesting to you, we're offering a free consultation so that you can learn more about our process and what you'll get. And what do you say, Peter, if they sign up for a free consultation and mention that they heard this on Unleash Your Soul Song, how about we give them $500 off their custom song? Why not? You know, we really believe that music brings people together in such a unique and powerful way. Let's spread as much of that unity and joy as we can. Let's do it. So if you want to get your free custom song consultation, just go to 426studios.com. That's F-O-U-R, the number is 26studios.com. There's absolutely no obligation and no pressure. And hey, we're a pretty fun hang, so what do you have to lose? Get $500 off your custom song by getting your free consultation at 426 Studios today. Welcome back to another episode of Unleash Your Soul Song. I'm your host, Becky Fleischer, and I'm coming to you today feeling all kinds of excited and energized about today's topic. Come on, feel the noise. Girls, rock your boys. How I manage the quiet riot. You think I'm talking about the heavy metal band? No, come on, you're smarter than that. Not the heavy metal band. No, no, no. What I'm talking about is the riot that we let play heavy metal noise in our head. Quiet to others, but a perfectly orchestrated symphony to us. The voices that come in right on cue, delivering megawatt doses of self-doubt, criticism, judgment, insecurity, 
just that feeling overall that I'm just somehow not enough for fill in the blank for whatever it is that you're trying to do. When I came up with this clever little title, it reminded me of a time in middle school when I went with a friend to some program at her grandparents' church. I can't totally recall how we ended up there. I'm pretty sure we were tricked because the whole program was about the evil ways of heavy metal bands and the poison they were trying to inject into the youth of the world through their music and their heathen practices, which they really saw as satanic. And if you remember, it was part of that 80s era of this satanic panic. Anyway, the event is stuck in my head because now anytime I hear heavy metal or heavy metal band, I remember going to that church function. And I remember that night they were particularly scandalized by the Prince of Darkness himself, Ozzy Osbourne, who at that point in my life I'd probably heard of, but I really didn't know anything about him, not him or his music or really heavy metal music at all. I just, that wasn't my thing. But they showed the footage, for shock factor, I'm sure, of him biting the head off of that bat. Do you remember that? Ugh, how disgusting. And then I remember they started talking about some band that I'd never heard of called Rat. And I was literally like, oh my God, if they show somebody biting a head off of a rat, I'm going to vomit. Like, what in the world is happening inside of this church sanctuary? What are we doing here? Like, what the hell? Oh, my gosh. It was kind of crazy in my mind because for me, that was the first time I had even heard about that whole bat thing with Ozzy Osbourne. I don't know. Maybe I had a sheltered childhood, but I hadn't heard of it. But thanks to that church program, I got schooled in that pop culture that would have totally passed me by otherwise. It was an education that I really I could have done without. It really didn't help me. at all in life or in that moment to see the footage of Ozzy Osbourne. It didn't help me to fear heavy metal. And when I came up with the Quiet Riot as the way to frame this episode and thought about that band's place and the satanic panic around heavy metal in the 80s, that memory hit me hard because I was struck that, man, what if that church or my school or anyone really had taken that kind of aim at the quiet riot that we entertain in our own minds every single day. If they had taken that on with the same kind of vim and vigor that they had against the heavy metal band Quiet Riot, if even one person in my life had said to me, oh, hey, you know, there's this super messed up thing that we do as humans, this little inner dialogue that we run. It's a totally normal part of this thing we call life. Like if that had even just been identified as something normal, my gosh, how different my life might have been, just to know that. What I'm calling the internal quiet riot goes by so many monikers. It's called resistance, imposter syndrome, self-doubt, the inner critic, the voice of reason. And aha, did you catch that last one? That's a super tricky one, but it's true. It's true. What we call the voice of reason can belong in this grouping. And today, You can't turn around without bumping into a life coach or a self-help advocate who doesn't talk about this internal quiet riot directly and really often. And for damn good reason. Just like its band namesake, the quiet riot in our mind lays down a thick and massive sound that's punctuated by its distortion and loudness. And much like the lyrics in heavy metal songs, the messages that our internal quiet riot weave together they tend to be harsh and anxious and aggressive. 
And like the music of any era, the more it's played, the more you get used to it. And before you know it, you kind of find yourself bobbing your head along to the beat and starting to feel the rhythm and enjoying the intensity. And just like those satanic panic warriors feared, you begin to believe it. Well, I've got news for you and for those satanic panic warriors. Quiet Riot the band, they might be crude and rude and perhaps not the best influence for the developing minds of our youth, but they're nowhere near as dangerous as the quiet riot we listen to in our head. And while I appreciate that so many people have normalized this part of our psyche as something we all have, I rarely hear anyone actually giving practical, solid advice on what the hell to do about it. I hear a lot of heartfelt and sincere belief that we are all put here for a good reason, that we all have a gift that we were born to embody and actualize in this world. That should sound very familiar to you if you're a listener of this podcast, because I say it, I believe it. Hell, it's a foundational reason why I started this show. But here's the thing. Those words, they're not enough. Telling people to just believe in their worth as a human being and the uniqueness that only they can bring to the world, it's not enough. It wasn't enough for me, which is another reason why I started this show, because I need, needed, need, still need, practical tools, not just inspiring words. And that's what I've got for you today. I've got some of those tools for you today. But before I jump in, I absolutely must credit that some of the tools and concepts that I'm incorporating into today's show come from Tara Moore and her Playing Big model. As you might remember from previous episode, I'm in her facilitator's training course right now, and I'm going to post up in the show notes some links to some really, really good resources on what she calls the inner critic. It's what I'm calling the internal quiet riot. She's got some really great resources on this very topic. They're free and full of valuable information, so really you should check them out. And I hope that today's show provides you some tools as well. So are you ready to get going? Suit up, soul seekers. We're getting ready to go all kinds of tipper gore on our inner quiet riot. And what better place to start than with some personal advisory stickers? You know, like parental warning stickers, personal warning stickers. I don't know. I thought it worked. Anyway, here we go. Advisory sticker number one. Like it or not, we are all hosting a private concert featuring the quiet riot in our head. So if you take nothing else from this podcast other than this, hear me loud and clear. You are not alone in the struggle with self-doubt, criticism, judgment, insecurity, the feeling of not being enough. Everyone struggles with it. Everyone but not everyone understands that that's a universal phenomenon, or they don't know that it's an actual thing that can be managed. This kind of came as a surprise to me, and it came out of a conversation I had a few months ago with a really good friend who's going through a horribly, horribly hard time as this pandemic has just completely decimated their career. I mean, just completely. And it's just so hard for them to see how to pivot or reinvent and I could see that a lack of self-confidence was kind of underpinning their ability to just take the reins and try something new. So I kind of casually mentioned imposter syndrome, and they didn't know what I was talking about, and it surprised me. Though it shouldn't have, because I guess up until a few years ago, I had never really heard that term before either. 
I don't know if it's a newly emerging term or if it was just new to me. Either way, I remember when I learned about it, I was like, holy shit, what are you talking about? You mean I'm not the only person who thinks they aren't enough, who thinks they don't have enough experience or enough education or enough background in something or whatever, fill in the blank. I didn't have enough to do the thing, whatever the thing was that I wanted to do. No, no, Becky, as it turns out, as with most everything in life, it's not all about you. You aren't some special little daisy wilting in the field alone. Now, to put a fine point on this, I came across this quote from a poet and a writer who said the following. I have written 11 books, but each time I think, "Uh uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everybody, and they're going to find me out. And you know who that poet was? It was Maya Angelou. Maya freaking Angelou, people. The woman who published seven autobiographies, three books of essays, several books of poetry, and is credited with a list of plays, movies, television shows, not to mention all of the awards and honors she received. A Pulitzer Prize nomination, a Tony Award nomination, three Grammys for her spoken word albums, the National Medal of Arts, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, for goodness sake, and more than 50 honorary degrees. What are you talking about, Maya Angelou? How how could you, of all people, have the quiet riot raging in your head? But she did. So listen, if she can suffer, we can all suffer. So there's advisory sticker number one. We're all hosting a private concert featuring the quiet riot in our head. It's just a fact. On to advisory sticker number two. Now, we're all hosting this concert, but the set lists are totally different. The songs that are being played for you are going to be different from the songs being played for me. Your set list might play songs about your role as a parent, your performance at work, your relationships, your body, your contributions to the community. There are a million songs it can play. And like I said earlier, the longer those songs play, the harder it is not to fall into their rhythm and start believing them. I mean, come on, raise of hands here. How many people have heard a song at some point in their life and initially they just thought, this song sucks, I hate it, it bothers me, there's something that just rubs me the wrong way. But then after you hear it for like the 10 millionth time on the radio or playing on a TV commercial or whatever, you're bopping along to it and before you know it, you forgot it was even bad in the first place. It totally, totally happens. Identifying the quiet riot or the inner critic, as Tara Moore calls it, can be hard because we become so identified with it. So advisory sticker number two is the warning that in order to start managing the quiet riot, you've got to flush it out and identify it as separate from your own voice. Now, in her book, Playing Big, Tara dedicated a whole chapter to the inner critic and how to identify it. She also has some amazing resources, like I said, on her website, which I'll link to in the show notes. But I'm going to quickly share the 11 common qualities that Tara has identified that the inner critic voice can kind of come in as. So you can start to tease it out. So here we go. 11 qualities of the inner critic. It's harsh, rude, or mean. It's binary, meaning yes, no, right, wrong, black, white. Ostensibly, it's the voice of reason. It's the voice of you aren't ready yet. The voice of you aren't good at fill in the blank, whatever it is, math, negotiating, technical stuff, singing, songwriting, doesn't matter, fill in the blank. 
It's the voice of body perfectionism. It's a tape. It runs on a loop. So if you've heard it once, you've probably heard it before. And it's a broken record. It's irrational, but it's persistent. And it's a one-two punch. It kind of comes in and validates itself. And the inner critic may take inspiration from people in your life. So those are 11 qualities that might help you to start identifying that inner critic, what she calls the inner critic, what I'm calling the quiet riot, how you could start identifying that in your own psyche. Now, for me, one of the ways I know if my quiet riot is starting to rage, it's very binary. It's very yes, no, black, white, right, wrong. This is going to work or it's going to fail. If I go there, I know that the riot is starting to sing, right? It's starting to get to me. I also have the voice of, you aren't good enough for this or you aren't ready. Who are you to do this? I think I talked about that in a previous episode. Every time I have to do a solo episode like this, that quiet riot starts to bang its drum. I mean, loudly. Who are you to talk about this? Who are you to share this information? It's it's totally there. So these identifiers, they're helpful because if you if you don't know to look for it, you could really start to think that that message is you, that it's true, that that's the truth and authentic, but it's not. And it will stop you. The, the quiet riot, it's going to stop you. It's going to try to stop you. So let's keep going. So advisory sticker number two is that in order to start managing the quiet riot, you've got to flush it out. You've got to identify it as separate from your own voice. Advisory sticker number three, the quiet riot is successful for a reason. It's a master songwriter, and it will have you believe that the words it weaves are actually realistic thinking. And oh my gosh, I get really stuck on this one, you guys, like really, really stuck. It took me a lot of work, actually, in this facilitator's course that we're in. It took me a lot of journaling and work and kind of digging to get myself detached from this one because my quiet riot sounds very realistic. Yes, no, right, wrong. It's going to work. It's going to fail. It just sounds realistic. And and I've approached my whole life that way, right? I'm a realist. I'm pragmatic. I'm project manager. I don't like to waste time. I like to be efficient. So why would I even try that if you can just see right away? It's just not going to work. And this is another area where Tara has some great, great tools that can help you tease it out. So let's go over a few. The biggest way that you can really start to tease away the inner critic from your realistic thinking is the tone. What tone is it doing? And that goes back to the point number one of how the quality of an inner critic, it's harsh, it's rude, it's mean, it's aggressive, it's anxious. Your inner critic's not looking for a solution or any kind of resolution. Your inner critic is going to come at you with definite pronouncements with really little evidence. It's going to trap you in either or thinking with yes, no questions, meaning like, Is it possible? No, it's not possible. So therefore, shut the door. It focuses on the problem. It focuses on the areas of lack, you know, where there's lack. And it's really just anxious and nervous and fast. You know, it's nothing there to help you try to find the solution or an answer to a question. Whereas realistic thinking, realistic thinking is on your side. Realistic thinking offers curious questions and It's really interested in evidence. You know, one that I struggle with a lot is I don't have a degree in that. I'm no expert in that. So 
you know, I can't do that. I can't participate in that. I can't talk about that. I can't present any material on that because I don't have that degree. I don't have that expertise. That's what my inner critic would say. That's what the quiet riot would start singing. Realistic thinking would be more curious and it would say, you know, I wonder if I actually need a degree. Do I need a degree to do that work? It's not saying that you don't need a degree because sometimes you might. Sometimes if you're trying to pivot into something new, you might need more training. You might need more expertise. But the inner critic is just going to say, no, you can't do it because you don't have it. And it's going to shut you down. Realistic thinking is going to say, you know what, let me go investigate and see if, number one, if I actually do need a degree to do that or more information or more training. Let me go ask some people who are doing it and get some realistic, right, some evidence-based information. That's what realistic thinking would do. Realistic thinking is able to see the nuance of things, and it asks those open-ended questions. So how might this be possible? What parts might be possible? Instead of saying, is this possible, right, that's a yes-no, is this possible? It's going to say, well, how could we make it possible? Or what parts are possible right now that I could start to move on? Because that's the thing. Realistic thinking is forward moving. The quiet riot likes you to stay stuck right there. But realistic thinking is moving forward. It likes to push you forward. It seeks solutions. And in general, it just speaks in a calmer, more loving tone. So advisory sticker number three is that it's successful for a reason. It is a master songwriter. And it's going to make you think that its words are realistic thinking, but they're not. And you can tell the difference from those pieces that we just talked about. Now, advisory sticker number four. All that bluster from the quiet riot is really just an expression of our safety instinct. It's trying to protect us from emotional risk or harm. That's its only concern. It has no interest in our fulfillment, in our joy, in our self-actualization, or any of the good that can come from bringing forward our gifts into this world. It doesn't care about any of that. It only cares about keeping you emotionally safe. And because of this, the quiet riot will turn it to 11 right when you are pushing the boundaries of potential. When you even think about taking a step that would bring a new level of exposure or vulnerability or visibility or praise or even criticism, Basically, anything new that would push you out of your comfort zone, that's the cue for your quiet riot to throw an absolute rager. And knowing this pattern can help you push through. I know it did for me. A few years ago, long before I had read anything really in depth about the inner critic or how to manage it, I heard a quote that stopped me in my tracks. And I mean, it literally brought tears to my eyes because I could feel my life like shaking around me, like just shaking inside of me. My quiet riot was raging, raging. It was battling to make me retreat, to stay stuck, don't move forward, as I was trying to push forward. And I got to tell you, it, it was pulling out every tool in its kit to keep me there. As I was doing my makeup one morning, listening to a Super Soul podcast with Oprah, because that's when I tend to listen to my podcasts when I'm doing my makeup. Her guest shared this quote from Chuck Yeager, who is the first person who broke through the sound barrier. Chuck Yeager shared his experience, and he said, 
Just before you break through the sound barrier is when the cockpit shakes the most. Holy shit. Holy shit. Hallelujah. The shaking is normal. The raging is normal. It's to be expected. This man broke the sound barrier. And he's here to tell you, like, right before, right before you get through, it feels like it's all going to fall apart. So I knew then I just had to ride this out and keep pushing through. So let's move on to advisory sticker number five. Now, just like Tipper Gore found out in her battle against profane music, you can't stop it. (laughs) Your quiet riot is never going to shut up. It's not. It's way too badass to ever give up. So don't waste your time trying to banish it. Use your time to manage it. Those parental advisory stickers that Tipper got put on albums, it didn't stop artists from expressing themselves exactly how they wanted to. But it gave consumers some sort of notification system so that they could use other tools, like their pocketbook or the volume knob, to help them turn down that expression if it wasn't something they wanted to hear. So I've given you five advisory stickers about your Quiet Riot. Number one, we're all hosting a private concert featuring the Quiet Riot in our head. Number two, in order to start managing the Quiet Riot, you've got to flush it out and identify it as separate from your own voice. Number three, the Quiet Riot is successful for a reason. It's a master songwriter, and it will have you believe that the words it weaves are actually realistic thinking when they're not. Advisory sticker number four, all that bluster from the quiet riot is just an expression of our safety instinct, and that safety instinct will try to keep you small. And advisory sticker number five, your quiet riot is never going to shut up. It's too badass to do that. Don't waste your time trying to banish it. Use your time to manage it. And so now we need those tools to do just that. So here we go. I'm going to give you this list. Tara Moore has a list of 11 tools and practices for quieting the inner critic. And again, just like with the ways to identify the inner critic and ways to tease out inner critic from realistic, there's so much more. I mean, if this is intriguing you even a little, I cannot recommend her book. I just can't recommend it enough. Just read the first chapter. I'm just going to run through the tools quickly here, and I'm going to pull out a couple that have really helped me. So here are 11 practices, what you can do moment to moment when self-doubt starts to show up, when that quiet riot starts to rage. So the first thing always, always, kind of with anything really in life, is to label and notice the inner critic voice. Label and notice when your quiet riot is starting to pick up its instruments. And you got to tease that out from realistic thinking. For me, labeling it and identifying it was powerful, but also saying it, just admitting it out loud, like I did on one of those earlier podcasts when I said, oh my gosh, I'm... (laughs) Like, who am I to be doing this? I had like major, major self-doubt before I did one of those shows. And I just kind of said it naturally when I was recording. And I can't tell you how many people commented back to me or emailed me and said, oh, my gosh, I so relate. Like right when you said that, I was dealing with something and I felt the same way. 
So identify it, label it, say it, normalize it. The second thing you can do is to separate the I from the inner critic. Like really separate it. And that's why I kind of call it, she calls it the inner critic, I call it the quiet riot. You have to separate it from who you are and what your truth is. The third step here is what what can really help you do that. And that's to create a character that personifies your inner critic. And this was really powerful work for me to do. And I was a little surprised after there are all these journaling prompts that we go through and that she walks you through. I was a little surprised to find that my um, inner critic has a male voice. One of the questions that, that you ask is, does it have a voice? Does it have a gendered voice? Is it gender neutral or does it have a, a specifically gendered voice? And my quiet riot It's a male voice, so maybe that's another reason why I chose Quiet Riot as a way to describe this. I don't know. But basically what I figured out for me, that this character is what I call the boss. I call this character the boss. The boss is very orderly. The boss is very knowledgeable, stable, steady, secure. The boss has many degrees. The boss has all the experience. The boss has all of the answers. It's a very authoritarian, perfectionist Um, judgmental character in my mind. And it really, really helped me identify that character to disassociate it from myself. And maybe it was even more powerful for me because my voice, the voice I hear that inner critic come in is a very masculine voice. And clearly, I am not a man. So... (laughs) So that's one way for me to to easily use step number two of separating the I from the inner critic because I can see right away that's not me, right? That tone and that voice, that's not me, that masculine sound. So your inner critic and your quiet riot might not have a gendered sound. It might not be a man, so it might be a woman. But when you start to break down its character and break it into a character, it does make it easier to separate from you. You can kind of start to see that. And it's a helpful tool to have for some of these next steps as well. So continuing down the list to the next steps. Number four, compassionately see your inner critic's motives, which is helpful because once you have a character, you can really start to build their motives. You can start to see it. It's an interesting uh, practice to do. And so a powerful question to ask when you're in that mode of self-doubt is what does my safety instinct not like about this situation. Really quick, really easy. Number five, look for the humor in what it's saying, which is kind of why I liked calling it the quiet riot, because honestly, it's just funny. To me, I'm a musician, so it makes me laugh to think of this like heavy metal hairband taking over my brain and the crazy, like chaotic noise that heavy metal brings. Can't you just see them like banging in your head when you are going through some of these moments of just doubt and the negative self-talk? For me, it just kind of puts a little laughter around it. It makes it easier to manage. It's kind of like um, ooh, if you watch Harry Potter, if you're a big Harry Potter fan, which we're total Harry Potter fans in this household, when the wizards are learning how to deal with a bogart, You know, a bogart is one of these, I don't know, amorphous creatures that pops out of a box and it turns into whatever that wizard's greatest fear is. It materializes right in front of their eyes. The only way to manage that bogart, to get him back into the box, is to use this charm. And I'm not going to remember the name of the charm, but it's basically a charm, a spell that makes you laugh. 
you have to think of the funniest thing in your life that makes you laugh hysterically. And that's what gets the Bogart back in the box. So I really like this one. Look for the humor in what your quiet riot is saying. Number six, check in with your inner mentor. Another great tool that Tara gets into, it's part of her process, and you should check into her material to get more information on that, but it is a great tool. Number seven, choose a core value to let lead you instead. And I loved this one because it actually set me off on a different path and a different set of work, which I may come back around to and share with you in a future episode, because this one seemed so powerful to me. So say, for example... If you wanted to take an action, if you wanted to if you wanted to speak up in a meeting and you just can't find it within you to speak up right in that meeting, she would frame it like this. She would say, what if you spoke up in that meeting, not for any reason other than that you're living out one of your most important values by doing that, by speaking up? What value would you be honoring by doing that, by speaking up? And it stopped me because Number one, I think that's a very powerful tool, but it also stopped me because I realized I have never really sat down and articulated either in my head or on paper what my core values are. Like we all think we know what our core values are. I value my family. I value friendship. I value honesty. Those are kind of like the societal, we all have to value those things kind of thing, right? Like those are the expected core values. But she really pushed us in our course to go beyond that, go beyond what society thinks should be your core values or what are the core values of our society, which are not to be taken lightly, but they're perhaps not the ones that are yours. They might not be the ones that resonate with you. Another great personal self-reflection exercise. And again, I may talk more about it in a future episode of how I worked through that because identifying those core values, just like Jenny Lee said in my interview with her, you really have to know what those are. You have to know what your core values are to start moving your way through any kind of major transition. Otherwise, you're going to get lost. You'll get lost to yourself. And, you know, I'm kind of reflecting back and thinking, gosh, maybe that's what happened to me. Maybe I never took the time to really stop and solidify those in any kind of really meaningful way. Maybe that's why I ended up kind of feeling I was in the wilderness of my own soul for a while. I don't know. Anyway, more to come on that one. That one hit me powerfully, as you can tell. So number eight, tool number eight, what can you do? Remove your critic from the scene. And this was another one that really helped me. And when I first read about this tool... I was like, that's kind of dumb. What do you mean? Remove the critic from the scene. Like, okay, goodbye, critic. See you later. I mean, how's that supposed to help? But actually, we have these lab calls where we get to practice this work. And I have to thank my lab partner on this because she used this one on me. And I was shocked. I mean, I was floored how it worked. So we were talking about my inner critic raging when I have to do these solo episodes. And so she said, all right, well, take me through, you know, the character that you created for your inner critic. So I took her through the character. I call my character the boss. And so she said, where does the boss like to sit? When the boss is comfortable and in its full power, where is the boss? And I said, well, the boss is in his office. The boss is sitting behind his computer, looking at his ledgers, keeping everything on track, you know, making sure every I is dotted and every T is crossed and the boss is in charge. And she said, okay. So let's put the boss in his office and let's close that office door 
and that office is soundproof and you can't he can't get in and he can't get out and now it's just you what would you do if the boss was securely you know stationed away from you and i got to tell you guys that shifted something in me it really did all of a sudden i just started talking more confidently and having bigger and bolder ideas and bigger and bolder thoughts and bigger and bolder plans. And I didn't feel as inhibited or pulled back. It was stunning to me the kind of change it made. And my lab partner, you know, when we were reflecting on it, she said, oh, man, your whole demeanor changed as soon as we locked up the boss. <laughs> like once, once we put the boss in his little cell, it was like the most this most confident, radiant you came out. And it was not what I was expecting. I just, that one, I honestly, when I read it in the list, I glossed right over it, but it's a powerful tool. I would recommend using it. So that was number eight. Number nine, pantomime putting your inner critic thoughts into a vessel, like a cup or a bowl or a box. So anytime you're hearing this, you know, I can't write a blog, I can't cook that thing, I look horrible, I can't wear something like that, I would look ridiculous, take that thought and literally like, physically try to put it in a box or something that you can seal up. Similar to number eight about removing the critic from the scene. So that's number nine. Number 10, picture the voice receding into space. And this is another one where it's kind of fun to think of of the quiet riot, right? Just picture the quiet riot. They're at a concert and they're just kind of pushing back and pushing back and before you know it, you can't even see that concert stage anymore, and you really can't hear that music anymore, and you're just now standing in a beautiful field because you've just gotten away. It just kind of receded back. So number 11, a similar tool, which is imagine you can just simply turn down the volume on the critic's voice. And another reason why I love the, the Quiet Riot, you just take that volume knob and give it a turn till you just can't hear it anymore. They're powerful tools, and when you read them alone, they seem a little silly. But I hope that by sharing my experience of how I've used them, you can see how powerful they really are. They really do help you move through these moments of self-doubt, of feeling like an imposter, of who am I to do this? Do I really need that degree? Am I really qualified? Figuring out what to do with all of that noise that heavy metal noise, right? You have to. You have to figure out what to do with that because if you don't, it's never going to go away. It's always going to stick with you and it's just going to clutter up your mind and clutter up your path. And we all need our paths to be as clear as possible so that we can just keep going. My motto, just keep going, just keep going. So I think that I'm going to leave it there for today because that's a lot of information to take in. I really have to thank Tara Moore for her incredible book, all of her tools, and for leading such an amazing facilitator's training that has helped me put these little pieces into action in my life. And I have to thank my lab partner that I mentioned for helping me walk through the exercises and really putting these into practice. And they've helped me a lot. So I thank them both. I would love to hear from you, all of you, about today's show. Did today's show help you at all? Did it resonate? Did it give you some new information, a new way to look at this noise that we let clamor around in our head? Even 
if you're taken away from today that you're just going to be singing, come on, feel the noise, right? If I just earworm that right into your head for the day, let me know that too. That's all right. I'd like to just know. You can hit me up with a direct message on Instagram at Unleash Your Soul Song or email me at theintuneexperience at gmail.com. I really don't have words to express how grateful I am to all of you for engaging in this conversation. You probably saw on my Instagram last week, we have hit almost a thousand downloads in just over a month since I launched this show. And honestly, I bet by the time this airs on Monday, we'll be over a thousand because as I record this on Friday, we're only like 15 downloads away. And it kind of blows my mind because when I started this show, people who've done podcasts were like, hey, you know, don't set the bar too high. It takes time to build and, you know, maybe set a modest goal of like 100 downloads. And then when you reach that milestone, you'll be so happy. Like you'll be so excited when you hit it. And don't get me wrong. I was excited. I was excited when I got even one download and definitely more excited when I figured out it wasn't just my mom and my sisters listening, which thank you, mom and my sisters. I appreciate it. (laughs) But the fact that we're now almost a thousand downloads in with just a month under our belt and that people from all over the world are listening in, our friends in Canada and Australia and Italy, Great Britain, Germany, Spain, Iceland, India. My gosh, it's mind-blowing. Like, my mind is blown. What we talk about on this show, it's important. And I'm just so grateful that you take the time out of your busy day to engage in this conversation. So let's just keep going, everybody. I hope you have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon. You and me, you and me, he and she, Door neighbor, stranger down the street. Form a chain, form a chain. Grab the clouds, grab the clouds. Cause we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. Unleash Your Soul Song is recorded and edited in 426 Studios, the music production company that I co-own. For more information about our music and our services, please visit www.four26studios.com. That's www.four26studios.com.